Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one again. That's right. Every show is our first show because we can't get to episode two until we do episode one right, and we have not done that yet. With me today, we have a brand new debut on episode one, no less. We have Mr. Digi. How's it going, man? Hi. uh, Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. I'm excited to have you on here. We've we met recently through uh, Medusa. We got mm-hmm. people in the chatter over here. Let's see. Oh, good. I'm not missing the very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Every episode is the first episode. Um, yeah, and you can see, go to awesome. slash shop for your episode one T-shirt. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on here. We met recently. Uh, I obviously have started working with Medusa. We've talked about it a couple times on here. I believe on episode mm-hmm. one you mentioned that. Uh, and you mod for her on her Twitch. So we had a conversation recently about war games on her show, which also mm-hmm. aired on her YouTube, youtube.com slash queen of carnage. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting to me that after the fact, you said you'd never really been on a podcast. And I was like, really? Because you can keep the conversation going. And that's that's the first trick that most people get wrong is the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I I have the gift of gab, but I'm more of a fireside storyteller than 
you know, sitting around with, uh, you know, on a podcast. It's just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and everyone's doing a podcast. We're just a couple of drunks on YouTube, so it's all good. I mean, that's legit. I'm I'm here for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we are the dive bar of the IWC because at the end of the day, uh, Digi, what we do here is we drink with our drinking buddies and we just talk wrestling and have a good time. And we remember that no matter how much we yell and scream at each other, we're still drinking together. And we're going to have a good time. <laughs> we're going home. Wow, reminds me of camp. a... It's like an Irish funeral. This is great. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Digi, as is per use for episode one, what's in your glass? What are you drinking? Uh, I have Teeling Small Batch Irish Whiskey. Uh, I got to go light tonight, so to speak. Yeah, take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah. I have, um, I'm having some tea with a little bit of Trader Vicks. We've had this Trader Vicks in the house for a long time. It's macadamia nut liqueur, Ooh. which we got from um, producer lady uh, was a, a Navy vet and stationed in Hawaii for quite some time. And that was something she came back with. And so we finally, for this holiday season, as a special treat, opened it up. And a little shot and some iced tea goes a really long way. I'll tell you Absolutely. Right and I, I am here for it. I'm part of the United States Navy. You know, and if it's one thing sailors know how to do, it's drink. <laughs> That's true. They stay wet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're out in the middle of the ocean and the only thing you can see is stars, time for a shot. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's start. So we don't always talk about quote the news. We've always put it in quotes because if you read up with any of the sheets, it's always rumor. It's always unless plans change. It's always this is definitively what's happening, and then a week later, actually something else is definitively happening. But something that did happen today that I do want to touch ground on because we have been very vocal on this show about our absolute love of Mandy Rose and the Toxic Attraction Trio. And we've been speculating week after week, how long is this rain going to go? When's the right time to call them all up to the main roster? We're watching last night, Roxanne beats Mandy for the title. Me and Producer Lady are going, wow, that's that's a big move. And then uh, Producer Lady asked me, she goes, so what do you think? Do you think they're going to just shoot them right up? And I was like, I could see them finishing the program and keeping Mandy out until until Rumble. And I was like, but that is well over a month away. I don't know if you'd want to wait a month. And I was like, it does seem like a little bit of odd timing. And then we find out today Mandy Rose was released due to her uh, her personal website. She has a fan website. It's not only fans. It's, it's actually her own dot com. It's, like, it's her name. Uh, so it's through yeah, fan it's like time, I believe. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that I, I caught me too was that her name on a lot of her socials is Mandy Sachs because her name is mm-hmm. Amanda Sacca Mentino, I believe that's how it is. So, something like that. Yeah, it's a, something it's a lot. Name. Yeah. It's an yeah. Italian name. And I uh, butcher it. But I did notice that on her, her fan site, it was Mandy Rose Sachs instead of Mandy Sachs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's an IP potential issue. Yeah. I would have thought it would just would have changed. They decided to to release her, and I think it was really shocking. I'm wearing my toxic hat in solidarity. Yeah, um, I don't know. What do you like, think? They they kept they kept Paige on for roughly three and a half years doing her own gimmick, and she had way 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 worse. 
So for them to take Mandy, who for all intents and purposes didn't hit her stride within the first two years when they put her up on the main roster, they take her back down to NXT, Toxic Attraction, really underrated faction, and they just let this magic go. I, it's it's a dumb move. It's like when they released Wyatt. It you know this was a guy selling three thousand dollar belts, and they just let the guy go. Yeah, it does feel really weird because we've talked about it here. In the last year, she's really solidified herself as a top top woman that we were trying to figure out, yeah. you know, which title will she go for when she makes it up, you know? Mm-hmm. It, does, it seems, yeah. I mean, I guess Bray Wyatt is probably the best, um, the best comparison. Yeah. Like she kind of stepped into that, like Mandy stepped into that role of Oscar, who was this, you know, badass who went into the ring because for the most part, toxic attraction didn't need the distraction. It was there necessary situations it wasn't overdone True. it did balance that well and i thought that she had done a really good job of of finally finding that balance between being semi-sexualized and empowering herself through her her looks which are undeniable mm-hmm. but also saying that that's not all she is because for a long time the first yeah. couple of years that's all who she was the golden goddess the god's gift to to wrestling yeah the 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 whole thing was just that this is how she looks and she's kind of strong this was i think the best iteration of her where it was such a good balance of look i'm not going to deny that this is how i look and that i i don't get some sort of a, a power or recognition from that but it's also not all who i am i can get it done in the ring and i will every time and like you said she didn't have to cheat to win much they did mm-hmm. it from time to time they did it to to even the odds, but by and large, in all of her defenses, which was 10, she won with a clean victory just because she was the better woman that night, right? Uh, right. I mean, obviously, there's the kayfabe thing, but the character I thought was so perfectly built yeah. that I was like, this is ready. What are we doing? Why has she been on here too long? And then, and then... It took, like, and that's the thing that I've noticed with the creative direction, and this kind of segues into something that is brought to mind but you know she was essentially Corey graves idol you know oh she's hot she's this she's that and it's Mm -hmm. i think that hampered her on the main roster because if they would have allowed her to do this or work with that sonia deville badassery i think she would have had a better push than just being a sidekick yeah uh it, but it revitalized her. Like, I can't really think of too many stables because, you know, she could do it in the ring. She could look attractive doing it. But at the same time, you love to hate her. When she was being a bitch for all intents and purposes, you believed it. Yeah. And it was complete counter character. And it, it was almost as if they took into consideration everything they had her do on the main roster. And in went, okay, so she's had enough of that shit. Now she's coming over to this side, really embracing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer, dude. The other thing that's kind of unfortunate for WWE, but maybe not for us as a fans, is they've just released somebody many, you know, ready-made. Like like you would say with Bray, Mm. it was the conversation was, where's Bray going to 
show up and who's going to take the most advantage of how perfectly built these this character is and everyone's yeah. leaving you behind. Mandy can show up anywhere and she can show up on top and people are going to buy it and they're going to be behind her. I did see someone tweet that they think that she could make a great true heel in AEW. Uh, I think that it would take a little bit of work. I think she's going to, if she were to pop up in AEW, she's going to be a fan favorite right away because she's going to be the one that, you know, got away from the evil empire, you know? I think, and hot take, but I don't think she should go to AEW. I think she should go to Impact. And hook up with some of the ladies there, and go with the and go as a faction against the dolls. Mm. But I'm biased. I love me some Impact. It's a guilty pleasure. But yeah. she could be top fish in that conversation. Have a good locker room to support her, rebuild that, and then maybe down the road, never say never. Then she's got all the world to go. Yeah, and I agree with you about. Um them holding on to other talent. Some people have brought up some of the the talent who have had different convictions of things, have allegations of things. Uh, it mm. does look like, as we're going to talk about uh, a little bit, I believe uh, the rumor is that Matt Riddle was, was written off due to a second failure on a drug test. Um, yeah. The fact that a lot of these people are able to hang on for these types of transgressions, but her posting slightly more scandalous and they would like photos behind a paywall. Yeah. I mean, I get the dot com thing if I'm being honest. Like you put Mandy Rose in your dot com, that's kind of their IP. So it kind of lends to make it look like WWE endorsed. Um but I do think that that firing seems a bit heavy handed versus like, hey, yeah, let's pull the site down. You need to rebrand the dot com. You need to consider if he's like i could understand some form of a suspension more than a firing like fuck yeah like that that was too far in my opinion you know and she deserved better like i I think especially with you know some people see nxp as a demotion and it's not uh if anything it's a different style like something you would see more in nxt is a joshi japanese style you know, hot pass back and forth, maybe a little bit of rest, but it gives the crowd enough time to breathe. You've got a different style of wrestling, which she adapted to amazingly, that not many people can. Like, uh, as an example, New Day. You know, they walked in there. They pulled a hell of a match. They were able to do so much more. And, you know, fans there took notice. Yeah. Uh, even with current product. But it, like, they just took a million dollar cash bag and set it outside the door. You know, I expected yeah. Toxic Attraction to show up, you know, and go, oh, look at you. You've got these three children over here. Bailey, you're old news. You're, you're whatever. And, and they could have really cemented an NXT rivalry, showcased the talent that came from it. And made it a little bit more. But, I mean... Do you think JC and Gigi are going to have an issue finding their footing after this? Because, to be honest, I think that their characters and their team were really relying on Mandy to be the mouthpiece. I don't know that we've heard enough from them to... Do you think that they forged enough of a character and enough of their own mouthpiece that 
they're going to be able to just kind of hit the ground running? Uh, I'm going to point back to a segment they had when there was that tag team whole thing. And they were outside ready to get into their car. And they went face-to-face with the Hall of Famer, Alundra Blaze. Mm-hmm. And they took the gimmick. They did not have Mandy Rose. They schmoozed into it and they went with somebody who's worked with the likes of Paul Heyman, you know, and Mm -hmm. you could tell there was no scripting involved there. That was show us what you got. And I think they could carry it. I think they could show up in like some tag team battle royale at any point or even go singles. I I could see Mm -hmm. singles. I could see singles for Gigi more than JC. I think JC's, a little more of the softer character as far as like being totally fleshed out. She's the one who seemed to have had the hardest time finding her place in it. And I think as a team, yeah. they work very, very well together. Gigi, I think could just turn it up a little bit. JC, I think would have to almost redefine herself if she were to go single. Well, she's kind of got a, a, an open spot right now because with Liv Morgan, you know, Roxanne just got the title so, I mean, that would kind of lend to that, too. JC could work with Mandy Rose as being that secondary tag partner and kind of work a program there, too. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, either way, it's a bummer to see Mandy go. Like, we've been so excited and so high on her. I mean, she was one that, too, like, so in, like, a week or two, we're going to do our, our end-of-the-year boozy awards. And uh, Mandy was kind of like one of my top runners here. She was my easy, like, top three strongest women of the year. I, so, why take her off the list? I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't really matter whether she left. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the year's over, The I mean, at the end of the day. But it's just crazy to think you're looking at someone who's literally one of the top names that come to mind in that scenario. Yeah. And she's released. You're like, what? I mean, that's... I mean, it's kind of like letting Seth Rollins go out of nowhere. You're like, no, this is like one of your, this is like a major player for a long time. What are you doing? I also think that, like you said, I don't don't think I want to see her in AEW, but at the same time, with Soraya being back, with potentially the rumors being whatever they are, if Sasha Mercedes were to pop up over in AEW, you could have a lot different. Athena would be a great. Athena. Like Athena. Yeah. Although Athena is Ring of Honor champion, I think we're going to see a lot less of her on Dynamite. Not that we've seen much of her on Dynamite. I think that he's really going to start start separating his Ring of Honor with his AEW. So I think for at least the time being, until she drops the title, I don't think we're going to see as much Athena. But in that same regard, yeah, Athena and Mandy, like I think that, that uh, you they got history, and they yeah. like. And, and uh, as an so aside, Soraya. you know, Soraya and Mandy have history. They came up together. Well, not together. Oh yeah, they, but Mandy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Mandy was. Uh, she was briefly in NXT, didn't she? And she had a couple of good like bangers with Soraya. Mandy's debut on the main roster was with Sonya and Paige as Absolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's already something there too. Like I just it seems like a mess, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see her pop up anywhere wrestling for at least a little while. And if she doesn't give a little bit of acting a, a shot, because she's really coming to her own. Yeah. I mean, and that's purely a possibility. And and this is one of those individuals that you can see the talent that she has. 
and she could apply it anywhere, and yeah. nobody would bat an eye. She's she's one of the. So they talk about the airport test. Mm-hmm. She's somebody I actually ran into an airport and passed the airport test because I was like, oh my god, and I was like, oh shit, that's Mandy Rose. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Baron Corbin too. Baron Corbin, I because I ended up on a flight with a bunch of talent once on accident. Um, right. I was flying from one. I was I was working in Tampa, and I live in Tucson. But I knew that there was going to be a show in Phoenix, so I had worked a deal with, uh, with my girlfriend where she would meet me in Phoenix, and so I flew right. from Tampa to Phoenix so we could go to SmackDown, and stay there for the night, and then go back to Tucson. I ended up on the same flight that everyone from Tampa was flying to to go do SmackDown in Phoenix, and so like there's Big E, Mandy, Sonya, Corbin, uh, and yeah, almost all of them. When you walk by in the airport, yeah, that's kind cool. Of, oh, shit, you know. Good brothers. Actually, I saw them on a different flight. But like, <laughs> there's a lot of star power to just Mandy's presence alone. So I think that she'll be just fine wherever she goes. Oh yeah, it's, to do. But I'm with you. It's such a shock. Like, didn't they just bring back that one dude who had all sorts of allegations against them? They held on to Velveteen Dream. For you know, time. there's others who've done. Yeah, there's so much worse, and that's their mistake. It really is. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer, but you know, cheers to. I've got to propose a question to you. Hmm. I, I got a question for you. What's up? Are you familiar with Asuka's work in New Japan? Um, I'm. I've seen some of it, not not like a ton. I know I'm familiar with the Kana character. Mm-hmm. What that look like, and obviously she's been teasing that a lot online lately. That's what I was going to ask, you know, if you're familiar with the comic, because I think fans are going to love this. Like, because of just the way the character is in a similar vein of where Bliss went, but it's so dramatically different with its Japanese styling. I think it's going to be huge. I think what it's also dramatically different than is any other iteration we've seen of Asuka. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like to to potentially get a dark side of Oscar could be really cool because we've seen villain Oscar and we've seen good guy Oscar, but we've really just seen loud Oscar. Yeah, he's cheating or not. You know what I mean? So this and could the, be a, a much more evil versus villain. You know, and that's gonna be so good. Like I'm here for it, and that. That seems to be the direction that WWE is turning, and I, I think it's a great choice. Is they're taking some of their star faces and they're sort of balancing out the roster so you don't end up with the face versus face for the title because we have nobody else. Mm. And they're they're stepping back to what some of these talent know, and that's leaving the product in a way where things feel fresh to a wider audience for those who have, you don't watch, you know, new Japan or anything else like that. And I think it's going to go such a way. And you even have the, the marks that are familiar with the older work that are going, Oh shit, I know what's coming. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think Oscar's character too is, I wouldn't say it's been static, but it hasn't really changed much. Even when they changed the face paint and added the mist, it wasn't much of a change. And then yeah. even when she was part of the Kabuki Warriors, it was just a slight 
variation. So this feels like it could be a more dramatic variation, which I'm excited for. Yeah, the Kabuki Warriors is another damn shame where they had the opportunity for something magic. They knew they had lightning in a bottle, and they just went, no, nope, we're good. <laughs> yeah, Why? Kind of a weird one. Although, I do like the in kayfabe storyline, Bailey murdered Kari Sane. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've seen enough horror movies to know you never trust a chick that's a little too chipper for her own good. Yeah. So... You know, well, I, the I Good I Brothers being back. back. They were kayfabe yeah. murdered by the Undertaker, and I loved, <laughs> I loved it so much when they're when they. I mean, I didn't love that they were released, but I loved that after they were released, you could look at it from a kayfabe standpoint and go, "Oh shit, the Good Brothers were murdered by the Undertaker, and that was it. We never saw them again." So when they pop back up this time, I was like, "Look, it's cool to have them back, but there's something real yeah. cool to be the guy that got murdered by the Undertaker." <laughs> It, it's true, and you, you've hit a note, like, you, you're a toxic attraction guy, you know, P1, mm -hmm. uh, very much my thing, and, you know, seeing the OC back, and on top of that, having the announced team acknowledging their prior accolades is not just, well, they went over to Japan, you know, there's just the club, they went, no, the Bullet Club. And they, they call that a lot of this stuff and to mark that history, like the whole program between Finn Balor, Prince Devitt versus AJ Styles is quite literally, you know, a callback to Japan just by existence. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I love having the good brothers back because I just want to be able to go nerds and it be relevant yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It's one of uh, producer lady's favorite um, comments to yell at me when I'm doing stuff. Nerd. Which, shout out to the producer lady. Much love. Yeah, she's not able to be, be on right now. She's working from home. So, but mm. yes. uh, let's see. Let's talk a little bit of SmackDown and then we'll go back to Raw. Because I don't think I have okay. any other news. Was there any other news that came up? Uh, yeah, there was some speculation that uh, Vince McMahon wanted to return. Uh, it's not going to happen. Like, Here's don't fool happen. yourselves. I love the people hey. who are, like, outright defending it and the other people who are outright, like, trying to... It's kind of, regardless of your thought process, it's totally out of our, our hands. Secondly, I don't think yeah. anybody's anxious to have McMahon back. I think everyone's happy with where we're at. So it's fine that he's not there. No, I don't want him back. But there's a part of me that's very petty that likes watching people have meltdowns publicly that would get such a kick out of seeing him come back just to watch the amount of people freak out. That would be funny well, to me. Not that I want him back. But I like I'd, the I'd see we would see so many Brock Lesnar style F U I quit over this because it is my understanding from the people that I know that nobody wants him back. The locker room is a breath of fresh air. They had, like, your locker room leaders were less needing to be a leader and more the, look, it's not you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the product, I mean, my God, you've got SmackDown plot working into Raw plot. you got Raw plot working into SmackDown, and you have NXT thrown occasionally in the middle. There's and it respects the fans. 
we notice this storyline crap. We get mad when none of this shit makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, we definitely do. Definitely here. Um, but here's but yeah, what I think that you do though. Oh, this is what mm -hmm. you do with Vince. Vince wants to come back. Clearly, he's not looking to book. He wants to be an in-ring competitor. So we bring him back for in-ring. This is how you fix the Roman Reigns problem. The last two in Royal Rumble, Vince and Shane McMahon. They do the classic Bret Hart, Lex Luger, both over the top at the same time. Now you have Roman Reigns against Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon on night one and two. Loses both titles. The Roman Reigns reign is over. We're now into the McMahon era of long championship reigns. Long may he reign. Right? That's how you fix it. You book well, the McMahons to take the mantle back. And speaking of that, because we're talking SmackDown, you know, <laughs> uh, as much as I would love to see Vince McMahon tear his quads again and have to sit against some ropes, <laughs> I I think if they brought him back in ring, they would have to do some like AWA type bullshit where he, you know, I, I'm the chairman of the board, blah, blah, blah. And that would be great. I, I think he could serve that role, but he should have zero creativity because, you know, the product is, as, as we both have agreed, it's so much better right now. The ratings have been like all time high. Yeah. Uh, but but he should go had, away. But if Vince is the universal champion and Shane becomes the world champion. Mm. <laughs> I. Because Roman Reigns has what I call the. Uh, the Brock Lesnar problem. Mm -hmm. Is they built him up for so long as being so strong, so undefeatable, having so many different ways to retain. That. You know, once he's ran through the roster, what's left? That's what I'm saying. Vince and Shane are left. He hasn't but, beat the McMahons, and he can't because they're so good. Shane McMahon's the best but, in the world. Best yeah, but in that's, the world. Look, that's Irish whiskey versus Tennessee whiskey. It, it might sound good on paper, but fans would walk the fuck out at that point. I think the moment that those titles ended up in McMahon's hands. The McMahon's are baby faces. Everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah, if you're talking baby face of the face they make before they poo in the diaper. <laughs> I love that horn so much. Uh, Kiro's like, in the chat. Cheers to Kiro. Thanks for coming through, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah no, I'm just whining. Kiro, Neko, Karam. Rama. Okay, I I see you. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a good dude. You know, I I am looking forward to the idea of Roman Reigns losing his title. I really do think, heart of hearts, you know, okay, that it's gonna be the Wyatts. It's gonna be that significant change. Roman Reigns is gonna get some time off, which he needs because he's been carrying the company on his back for shit his entire reign. No. He needs a break. Uh, maybe they need a title separation, but it really should be, I, I think, honestly, as much as I, I would love, you know, to see Seamus with a world title because I got to support my boy. Uh, yeah, Shamo and I are from similar areas. I, so, I shamey. Doom, doom, boom, 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 boom. 
I would totally drink with that man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it should be Wyatt. And they're, you know, they listen to fans' reaction. They know it feels stale. Uh, so they've pushed a few of the things along, and you're, you're seeing that. It's less, you know, they heard the fans say, okay, this is boilerplate too long. Yeah. So they pushed it up. Like, I don't think it's actually been too long, personally. I know a lot of people are saying that. And, of course, my fantasy booking to put the McMahons as the world champions is meant to wind you up a little bit. Uh, I actually don't think it's been too long. I think that, that I don't think it's a problem to have your top guy be so high on top that it seems unattainable to beat him. I think that's a really good thing for the titles. I think that means that whoever takes the title off of them becomes a made man in a lot of ways. It just depends on what you do after the fact, right? Like when it's the Hogan thing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Hogan losing it to Yoko made Yoko, but it was the mess up with the Bret Hart and Yoko and Hogan coming back. That's what fumbled it. Not the idea that Yoko took it off Hogan. It made Yoko an un, an unbeatable force that a Bret it- should have been able to take out. You know what I mean? Like, but the Hogan thing complicated that, obviously. No, I, I love the fact that you brought up something I actually watched. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm an old hat when it comes to wrestling. Uh, so, I, I get where you're going with that. But when Roman Reigns eventually got the title, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the landscape has changed in what fans want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that's what you're catering to. When John Cena said, love him or hate him, that, you know, you don't hold the keys to your career, they do. Mm. And that's true. So, like, he just, he went through four matches, like five pay-per-views of pulling this off, and, well, he got the win, finally. In a gimmick match, you know, I know a lot of fans were sour on him when he was using corny ass fucking lines. It took Paul Heyman to drag his ass out of the gutter. Like, Paul Heyman's the guy you bring into a stable to unfuck an entire situation. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hard pressed to think that the fans just weren't fighting back and wrong. You know what I mean? I don't think when you go back and watch Roman, he wasn't doing a bad job. And I also think that Roman was leaning into what the fans were doing. Like the whole, this is my yard now. It's an all time reaction, man. Yeah. That was like a 10 minute boo. And he didn't do it to get cheers. He did it to get booed. You know what I mean? Like, Hunter had said in an interview at one point, because someone said, you know, what are you going to do about this Roman Reigns problem? You're pushing him as their top baby face and the fans seem to be rejecting him. And he goes, do you think we can't hear the fans? He's the number one heel in our company. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> no one gets louder booze than him. They knew what they were God. doing. And they're like, oh, how do we make him a bigger heel? Keep pushing him as a baby face. The fans mm-hmm. fight back. So it's like, they're not dumb. And the IWC constantly thinking they're smarter than, everyone back there it's funny to me because triple h is like, oh, oh yeah. they're they're triple h and vince oh they're booing him when we push him as a good guy keep him as a good guy and then put guys like braun Strowman again against him so that way we can make braun Strowman a good guy because they're going to cheer everything he does now 
yep. Strowman throws ambulance with a fucking paralyzed <laughs> Roman in there, and the crowd cheers. Woo! That they knew. They weren't. And, and that's something I've said it, you know, with the various Twitter accounts because I, I like reading the dirt sheets for a laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the worst thing an audience can do is be completely indifferent to an individual. You know, why was Cena a face for so long? It wasn't because everybody loved his ass. It was because he got a strong polarizing reaction. Love him or hate him, you watched him. Whether you wanted to see him punched in the face or you wanted to hug him. Yep. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Some other people I want to punch in the face. Uh, Uh, Drew McIntyre was not medically cleared. I want to know just from your just a quick standpoint. What do you think about the Drew McIntyre character? I I like what it has become. I saw the flaws in where he started. Okay. Uh, individually speaking, he's a good dude. I think he could step into the Brawling Brute stable as a good fourth. I think they could be the Irish Four Horsemen. He co- he mm-hmm. mingles well with that. Uh, but they need to stop. Those four is Irish. Uh, yes. I, I am aware of that. <laughs> Look, the fact that they're even wrestling on a card with somebody as many accolades, which for your, those in your audience that don't know, Sheamus has been around for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a well-decorated European wrestler, uh, much as Butch, which I fucking hate that. Oh, my God. Uh, there you go, Butch. We like Butch here. Yeah. I love Butch. I don't like the name change. This is the same motherfucker, and, and I pardon my language, but this this is a moment that solidified him for me for the WWE audience. He walked up to William Regal and basically gave him the middle finger his first time in. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, iconic moment nobody addresses. Which also, you could name them the Irish Four Horsemen because AEW called uh, that whole faction over there the Blackpool Combat Club, and only one of them had ever been to Blackpool. So It's true. You, know, you can <laughs> name whatever you want. Uh, well, I was just curious because I feel like the Drew, Drew McIntyre character is a, a massive disconnect from what he says versus what he who he is. He seems like a yeah. really good dude in real life, but character-wise, he's a total asshole who smiles and kisses babies and says, cheer me. But then he says asshole things, attacks people with a giant sword. He'll happily cheat. He'll sucker punch and blindside. He'll destroy your motorcycle because of no reason at all. He's just a big asshole that I'm supposed to cheer. So I just, I am am constantly at odds with who he says he is versus who we watch him be and how I'm meant to react to that. I'm like, I feel like that I'm not being taught to cheer him when he's being mean all the time. Like this isn't stone cold fighting against the authority. This is literally watching Drew bully people, but Drew wasn't on the show today. So I'll let you finish that and then we'll go on. I mean, to a degree it's related, you know, and that's very much the essence of McMahon booking. Yeah. That would have worked in the eighties. That doesn't cut it now in 2022. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Brutes got, because they are they were in a match, undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match with the Usos. Uh, 
those guys hadn't seen anywhere near of a mid card, let alone a tag team title match in the better part of two years. Yeah. You know, and now they're being utilized and it looked genuine when they had that one match where it was the brawling brutes versus the, the, yeah, the table, whatever the hell they're calling them now. Uh, that was a banger of a match. It was so good. And they made these guys, both sides, look like a million dollars. Yeah. Dude, I thought the match itself, Usos versus Sheamus and Butch, I thought was awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, like And that's experience and talent. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's... The Usos and Sheamus alone have been in wrestling, I think, if you combined all their time, roughly at 200 years. I mean, goddamn, pardon my language. Uh, I'm really passionate about those guys, you can tell. Uh, Sheamus or the Usos? All of it. I I think the Usos are the modern-day Dudley boys in a lot of respect. Yeah, they're the ones. Uh, Yeah. They they are the ones, and everybody else is the twos or something like that. Hell yeah! Uh, we the ones, I, they the poops. I'm into which it. Which <laughs> I I'm telling you, it's not going to be Zane that's going to betray the bloodline. I'm telling you, it's Jimmy Uso. Mark my words. I mean, Jimmy's the most laid back of everyone in the story because I know a lot of people have been saying Solo, and I can see it. Yeah, but he's following orders. The if we take the plot line wise, and this is I I love horror movies, so you know, the cheeriest chick is often the murderer. Mm. You have Jey Uso who's just, you know, an angsty bitch. You have Solo who's the silent badass, but Solo was sent by Afa and Sika to make sure that the bloodline stayed on top because as the, the song goes, there's more than one wrestling family. And the uh, that entire bloodline out of Samoa, those guys have been champion upon champion for 50 fucking years. So they are a legacy family. They are a third, fourth, fifth generation. I don't think it's going to be solo. I think that's a misdirection. And, and we're going to see, you know, the most Usi is going to be like, yeah, I've been playing you the whole fucking time. And Sammy's going to be the guy that's going to go, no, I'm staying. And it, it's going to be a whole thing. I think it's a longer program. I could also see. I mean, I guess we'd, we'd have to see how it would go. I could see Roman telling Jimmy to take out Sammy and him doing it. Yeah. But then you've got, I mean, do you, I guess, yeah, because then you could have Roman say, you know what, I've been messing with you this whole time, and then you can get Sammy being all upset about it, and then you can get to Sammy and Roman at Elimination Chamber, which is in Montreal. Yeah, and Sammy can get the hometown pop, which, you know, and and this is the credit to Sammy. That guy took a bit part and a side role and has turned it into, even AEW fans were chanting, you're not Usi. Yeah. like. He made he made solo break character. So good. You know, that's talent. 
you, you can't solo, waste that every hour. backstage where he puts the towel over his head i'd put headphones in just so i don't have to hear sammy and accidentally crack <laughs> yeah like and that there is one part that bothers me about solo hmm. is that he is basically Taz 2.0 that bothers me well he's been thumbing it, guys now he thumbs them the, if you look at some of the old impact for Samoa Joe, he used to use that same thing as a finisher. Mm-hmm. The Samoan spike. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, some, he he's reminiscent of Samoa Joe. He's also reminiscent of... Um, he's almost what you would think Jacob Fatu would have been if he'd come over. Yeah. You okay. Know? But uh, We're, we're yeah. speaking language. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you said you're... What's up? It, it, but as far as that match is concerned, you know, it was nice to see the bloodline win clean. It's it's definitely a contrast where Roman Reigns needs that help to retain, but the Usos are still badass. And I think that lends to the dynamic mm-hmm. of the stable, uh, which you just don't see anymore. Like, this is something interesting. It's like watching Ole and Arn Anderson being tag team badasses, but the four horsemen needed a little help to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So. What do you think of the LA Knight and Bray Wyatt stuff going on right now? I, okay. I, this is going to be a deep dive. (laughs) Okay. I, I see it like this. If you look at his past, because you know that Bray as an individual, when he talks, the, you know, his various characters, everything runs together, mm-hmm. you know, much in the same way as the Firefly Funhouse, for the most part, was representation of all the characters he had been. Yeah. So you have L.A. Knight, which if you look at everything that went with Braun Strowman and all that, they all went through a trial by fire. Are you good enough to be with me? Mm. In LA Knight, very much capable. Like, dudes, and ex- yeah, so good. This is wearing him down. You look at Alexa Bliss, it's a couple of blurbs, and she's ready to do a Sister Abigail. But LA Knight, you know, if you can't beat him, join him mentality. He's got all the talent in the world. He can be. You know, any one of those characters, I, I think it's it's going to be him joining rather than him as a fight. And it's going to be an interesting program. We've speculated that as well, that he may be joining with Bray. The thing is, is I do think both those characters are so strong alone. I don't think they need to be in a faction. I don't think Bray needs to revisit another family-esque thing. But, well, but damn, they work so well together. Like, the, the trick is that this is not the Wyatt family. This is people becoming parts of his delusion. And that's what makes it different. Like, you could see Alexa Bliss. There's your Abby the Witch. Yeah. You can see L.A. Knight being Mercy the Buzzard or somebody, something to that effect. Well, with the way he talks, Ramblin' Rabbit. Ramblin', yeah. See, yeah, Ramblin'. so... You, you got these personality key traits that can be exemplified without being stale. 
No, I don't and think that because people have talked about it in the sense of like actually mm-hmm. casting these people in those positions. I don't think we would do that. Yeah. I don't think we would see LA Knight rebranded as Rambling Rabbit, but I could see him being notably rambly. I also thought well, between this program, we've seen just how damn good LA Knight is as a talker. Like Bray mm-hmm. may be the best actor and character actor that WWE may have, but I think LA Knight might be the best wrestling promo they have. Like those were two well, distinctively different types of voices we were hearing going back and forth. Hot take, the best character actor is Alexa Bliss. Bar none. Like, Bray is good. Damn good. Top level. Alexa Bliss, that's the cream of the crop. Because we said for a long time went, that we only have Alexa on borrow from Hollywood until they figure it out. She's already in a movie. She's already done acting. She's done a thing until Hollywood figures out just what high level she is. Like it's up to her, I would think. But when she's ready to just go Hollywood, they're going to scoop her right up. And like, oh yeah, we're just biding our time with her. That's what we've been saying for a while. We're we're just going to enjoy it as long as we have her because you know. But that, but more to the point with your LA night, you know, you don't even have to brand him as Ramblin' Rabbit. You can go. Harkening back, because this is how Bray's mind works. You know, he comes out with a rambling rabbit mask, some horrifying gimmick. And he doesn't necessarily, they're like, there's LA Knight. He's blah, blah, blah. It's the same shit that they did because he, they're going to put something Brody Lee. We know that's going to happen. And, and that's a good way to do it. I, I really think that's a good way to do it. Where he's still LA Knight, but now he's clearly under the control of a mastermind. Yeah. yeah. And he could take his promo skills and go from this self centered, maniacal, egotistical piece of shit for all intents and purposes, and he can become this narcissistic villain that, you know, really has no regard for anybody else. But himself. Like, I love the program. It's and it's nice to see with this particular segment, you know, LA Knight made sure that the people who weren't, you know, looking at tags and you know subtle hints like an ARG, uh, he pointed it out for everybody and showed the punishment he took for figuring it out. Uh, which the end of that segment was him walking into a room, lights go out, and it's over. You have no idea what's happened to him. Yeah. And then I mean, we did see the eyes, the blue eyes behind the mask, which was interesting because it's a, obviously the opposite of the Fiend's red eyes. Yep. And during the brief flashes that were going on with the promo he cut in the ring, there was a woman's voice, which is very similar to Alexa Bliss, which ties into Monday. Again, we have conjunctive yeah. story. Holy crap. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty sick. Uh, let's see. Hit Row, Legato, and the Vikings. I'm okay with the program, but it's just kind of feels like that feels like we're just going through motions. We are, but we're not. Uh, we're seeing the return of Sarah Rowe, who is the Viking priestess. They went very hard into that gimmick, which is what they should have done 
from the beginning. Yeah, for a while. Uh, yeah, and the way that they came back, you know, the Viking Raiders didn't come back going, blah, 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 we got shields. They went, no, we're just going to beat your ass and we're going to take over your island. And that's true to form. And I love it. I'm here for it. I I want to see more of this. I want to see more backstage. You know, Hit Row I've never been too hot for, but that's that's just me. But to see the Viking Raiders come back and looking like a strong, dominant tag team, that that speaks to me. Right. But my problem is that Hit Row, Legato, and the Viking Raiders are all still without footing. So none of them have been shown as dominant. So by any one of them taking power over, they're all so new. We don't know what any of them have. Legato lost like their second match. Hit Row lost like yep. their third match. The Viking Raiders have been kind of beating up these two teams that also got the better of them this week. Like it's just none of them have gotten their footing to say that we're strong. So it feels a little bit like bumper cars. It doesn't feel like a big it, fight because I don't know who's strong. No one's been established as strong. And it, is that a means of putting a slow build on this to where we're going to have a triple threat or, you know, a four-way with the Usos, which is going to lead to, you know, one of these guys pulling out something really extra. And I that could work because they, they got to separate those titles. They do, but I feel like the problem with it is they hot shot at the whole angle. So you just know that one of these teams is going to come out on top and go up against the Usos and be a strong team against the Usos. But at no point is it like, oh shit, Hit Row got one over on Legato. Legato's unstoppable. You're like, no, Legato's only been there for two matches. Legato beats Hit Row, and yeah. you go, oh shit, they beat Hit Row. And I'm like, yeah, but they've lost the last two. Viking Raiders come in and dom- demolish all of them. And you're like, oh cool, but those two teams aren't very good. They lose a lot. You know what I mean? That like, they haven't established any of them to be strong. They're not even putting them through g- general jobber matches just so you can say, damn, these teams are all such high level. We're still figuring out who these teams even are. Legato's only cut like three promos. So it's like, to me, they hot shot at this, this thing to get somewhere, and I just don't know why they're rushing it. Well, NXT is, and some people call it developmental brand. And to a degree it is. But they're on TV once a week, just like the Raw and the SmackDown people. So, you know, especially with the internet community being what it is, I, I really do think that, you know, WWE is taking that into account this time. Like, rather than, you know, Legado del Fantasma with, with them, uh, they came up and got a huge pop. Now, it wasn't because they were new. It was because people knew who they were. You know, Hit Row showed up. Big pop. You know, it's not because they'd ever really done anything on the main rosters. Because they're NXT. They they were legit. You know, and they'd only had like two matches prior. And they weren't really spectacular. You know, so I, I think they're taking that into account. NXT is a, treating it as a legit brand. And that's, that's kind of why they're doing this. Because, you know, if you take that into consideration... This is the Viking Raiders who had almost no time in NXT. And then you have these two veteran NXT tag team champions in their own right, you know, who had their own feud for what a year. You know, that maybe this is their way of it, you know, finally acknowledging that NXT exists and it's not just for the 
Royal Rumble. And that, that makes sense to me why they would do this. That feels more like a disconnect than it feels like an incentive. Because that's one of the issues okay. that you have with like AEW is they book all their stuff like everybody's watching everything that they put on. But then you just get right. those disconnects on TV. This feels like you have shows with NXT that largely won't necessarily get more than 400,000 people to watch it. Now you're putting them in front of 2 million people watching. And you're just saying, like, remember all that stuff that happened? And they're, and we're all like, no. I mean, I watched it. And even then, I still feel there's a disconnect. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I don't feel, fair. especially because the presentation's changed. I just feel like that you should take the time to say you're on a bigger platform. Let's introduce the audience to you. Because otherwise, New Japan gets just as many viewers as NXT. We bring in a ricochet. We don't just say, hey, remember him from Japan? We say, no, this is our ricochet. Let me teach you who he is. You know what I mean? Like they just need to give them some footing and take their time with it. I do feel like Triple H's biggest issue as a booker is he books as though everybody's seen everything that he did in NXT. And he books as though everything that happened after NXT to now is the way he would have liked it to have happened. Not that it happened a different way. And we'll get to that on Raw when we talk more about like Gargano and such. He's booking Gargano mm-hmm. like we like we haven't not seen him for a long time, you know? No, but Dexter Loomis is a whole another subject I love. But you're right. You have a very valid point. See, I'm not drunk because I acknowledge <laughs> his point. <laughs> uh, you have a very valid point. I mean, I'm one of those people that have followed a lot of these careers since before they, you know, made it to major TV. And you're right. You know, the and casual fan is not going to know. Oh, yeah. I love all three they, of them. They, and, I, and I'm watching it going, I should be more excited about this. Why do I not feel more excited about this? And I think it's just that disconnect of we're assuming that everything in NXT matters. You're having to retrain two audiences at the same time. You're trying to ret- retrain the NXT audience that NXT matters. Because we've been taught for years that it, it, you get a rebranding when you go up. And you're trying to teach people yep. who don't watch NXT that NXT matters because they don't watch it anyways because they're used to having things rebranded when they get to it anyways. That what you end up doing is having a disconnect from both halves of your audience. But you know? would it be that we're in the middle of the retraining that, you know, giving respect that NXT exists? Sure, it's it's a lot of growing pains though, and I feel like these three teams are are taking the brunt of that on SmackDown at least. Well, look at the SmackDown tag team roster. Ninety percent of them got released pretty much in the first set during COVID. You know, mm-hmm. and you're you're having to refill these gaps. You're having to, you know, bring a lot of these people back and. You know, I I could I think this is growing pains. I think we got another year before, you know, the ratings are going to even out. Things are going to even out. Like, why do you put the new day on NXT? Very simple answer: more eyes on NXT. Take your smaller brand and elevate it. Well, I think also you take people like like the New Day or Balor or even Ricochet or Natty. The reason you pop them in NXT is to a provide a familiar face a nice treat for the people mm-hmm. in nxt people who watch it get a little something extra people who watch the main roster have a reason to watch nxt but also instead of just calling someone up and then putting them out there with somebody and saying how'd they do 
go down to their area and say, what do they need to work on? You know what I mean? Like what, what's it gonna take to get them ready? You know? So they're, it makes me think that they're close to sending up a few of these people. Yeah. And then bringing in, like they've started bringing in more to fill in the female roster. These are ladies that I'm familiar with, Mm -hmm. Uh, like the Alba fire gimmick and where all that's going. Believe me, that's an old story. Some of y'all are probably not familiar with. You know, Valkyrie is new. I think she needs to adjust to the American audience. She's not ready for that yet. She's very green to that. She felt new in NXT UK, too, because we watched NXT UK a lot, and we liked her character, but in ring, she felt like she needed some some work, some time. Yeah, her expressions are a little over the top, but that's very much an Irish-Scottish, you know... Uh, London, England sort of way of being Mm. expressive that the American audience, we want subtlety. We want to smell our wine before we sip it. (laughs) Uh, But I I think, you know, at the end of the day, if we ignored the growing pains is that you're going to see, you know, more of a culmination. I, I honestly think Hit Row is going to make it a little bit more because they didn't need Zelina Vega to elevate their status. Like, that absolutely feels did. more. I think they you absolutely know, you, did need need Zelina because I think it was what they, they did something smart here with, mm-hmm. with, with adding Zelina. And then we're going to move on to the, to the New Day. Um, cool. Adding Zelina to... to legato did not mm-hmm. undermine santos's ability to talk it highlighted his ability to talk by having her say one or two words and then handing him the mic because everyone sees her and goes oh we know why she's here and then when she goes nope i'm here for the total package and hands the mic over everyone goes wait mm-hmm. a second so by simply having her say two lines and hand the mic over elevated santos's talking ability as in i'm not here for why you think i'm here i'm here to dominate with the rest of the team you know yeah, and she took that casual audience and the fact that she was back in WWE. She's working with this faction. She doesn't need to say a word. She's got her own pedigree, which mm-hmm. adds to the legitimacy. Yep, yep. Uh, smart move on their part. Yep, and this is who she wants to surround herself with, which is also smart because she doesn't. She's never been a part of like any kind of job or crew, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new day and Ricochet in the contract signing with Imperium. Yeah, I liked all that. I liked the contract signing. I liked oh, yeah. the match. I got a kick out of it. I will say that you know the jokes were sophomoreish, but I think it works better with New Day than most because there's because I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not talking on both sides of my mouth a little bit. I'm not a big fan of the acclaimed. I think that they are loud for no reason, and I think that their scissor me daddy stuff just feels sophomoreish and doesn't connect with me at all. I didn't think that everything that they said here was clever. But I got no. more of a chuckle out of this than I get out of a lot of the sophomore humor because I think that they are a little more innuendo than they are just stating it. You know what I mean? Well, and, um, and I agree with you. You know, the acclaim, the only thing that makes them relevant is not who's managing them, not who's backing them. It's that when they show up to the ring, they pull and, you know, Enzo type gimmick where they're they're coming up the ramp they're making up reps that's great hip-hop culture paul Heyman did it like 20 odd years ago uh but this like 
Ricochet involved with the team, I think, is their way of kind of subtly pushing him back into things. Mm-hmm. And Imperium, they booked Imperium so strong in the UK that you need something more. They can't bring Big E back. He's not prepared for that. So you need somebody a step more. And Ricochet's money. Like, home dude carried fucking Lucha Underground on his Yep. Like, he was the guy. Yep, he was why I watched it. Yeah. Because that dude just does things that human beings should not be allowed to do. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm big fan of Ricochet. Yeah, and I'm excited for another Gunther Ricochet match. Let's do it. Uh, I got a question oh, yeah. for you, because I know that you are mm-hmm. uh, a big fan of women's wrestling. And yes, a big fan sir. of NXT. Yes, so I sir. assume that you would need to be a big fan of Tegan Knox. I Tegan Knox, uh, she's the moment they put her on the main roster, you didn't have to question she's a star. Correct. End of list. Like, what? This is I think the chick. Thing. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm big on the on Tegan Knox. I'm big on Tegan and Dakota. I'm big on everything she did in NXT. As soon as she showed up and she was with okay. Shotzi, I was like, that's a weird choice. Uh, but you know what? It'll probably work. And it worked. They became number one contenders mm-hmm. right away. Tegan Knox disappears. Obviously, for we yes. know the non kayfabe reasons. But if we're talking a little bit, because how you watch a show is how they're giving it to you, right? We can't fill in the gaps ourselves necessarily. So Tegan Knox teams with Shotzi, number one contenders. And next thing you know, if you're watching TV, Tegan's just gone. Now you have Shotzi yep. Blackheart in a number of angles where she keeps being outnumbered and overpowered and needs a friend. And who's there but an injured Raquel, who is not there but a Tegan Knox, who does show up later on to save someone else. Now she's teaming mm-hmm. with Liv. Liv and Tegan cut this promo on Shayna and Rhonda saying, you guys have beat everyone but us. Uh, or to even, and, and it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, you haven't done anything here. You guys have never teamed together. Now, Liv and Tegan beat Rhonda and Shayna. And I'm a big Tegan Knox fan and feel utterly confused by this, by this version of Tegan I'm getting right now. What connects her with Liv Morgan? Why does she want nothing to do with Shotzi? What's going on with Rhonda and Shayna, who trained in MMA together for years that we know of? even in kayfabe and they can't work together as a unit, but crazy live and rookie Tegan, so far as we know on TV is out doing them. Like it's really, this is so weird to me. I love actually all four of these women live Tegan, Rhonda and Shayna, I think are incredible. And if you told me on paper, we're going to get matches with them together. I'm excited about it. But as I watch it, I go, what the fuck is happening? Well, and I agree with you 100%. Everything you said has made sense to me, but I'm going to add a caveat, an asterisk, as they say. Uh, it seems like they're trying to put Tegan in this concept of she's willing to defend, you know, NXT talent. She used to have a big beef with Shayna. That was like one of her major mm. programs, if I yeah. recall. And, and that seems where she interjects herself. It's not who she's helping. It's what she's after, and that's a piece of Shayna. The The way they got the win, I think, took the the push 
because it was uh, Raquel who came out. Was blah, 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 blah. refs hold him back? That was a distraction. Ronda's fault. Uh, Which also undermines their victory and makes it even more stupid that they're getting a title shot after that. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. It's nice that you know. Well, they made it on paper. That no, no, that 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 takes the the piss out of the victory in and of itself. And Liv's character change, turning her more towards an old school Nikki Cross. Great idea. I love it. Well executed, but. Like, why do all this to get to the end road when you could have just walked to the end road and it would have made sense? Yeah, or why is this fiercely independent and violent Liv who's willing to take on damage control on her own mm-hmm. suddenly needed to and, and now she wants to be yeah, attacked? Like, it just, I'm so baffled. This is another one of those Triple H holes in booking where he wants to book as though NXT is the end all be all of everything that's ever happened. And everything that happened after NXT to now happened the way he wished it had. It feels like he's booking for the last year that Tegan was gone in a fantasy mm-hmm. realm that she's been here the whole time and has built all this story with everybody. And if they clearly define yeah. the last thing and none of that happened, like I would have liked at least, at least something where Tegan and Shotzi are acknowledging each other. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. last time we saw her, you were a number one contender with Shotzi, and then you guys never went for it. Shotzi didn't even cut a promo saying, "You know what? I've cut the dead weight." And then you go, "Oh shit!" She dumped Tegan. What's up? And then Tegan comes back with a new hair and goes, "You know what? After that, after Shotzi cut me loose, it really hit me hard, and I took all this time to myself. None of that." Yeah, like I'm watching this. Did like, it... did Triple H see something I didn't? I mean, you know I mean? he must have because I I agree there's a disjointment, but I would love to have seen like. Live do a couple more points where, you know, they're having a title defense, Rhonda and Shayna, and Liv just rolls out and disqualifies the team, creates a little turmoil. Mm-hmm. You know, much of the same way, you know, with what she's being based on is having a Nikki Cross style, you know, fuck you, I'm extreme. Right. Because could have just I, cost them the match yeah. by DQ. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, is we know that Liv was initially going to be one of those choices for the Wyatt family faction because she started teasing that shit three years ago with the pictures on Twitter and whatnot and the, all that gimmick. And you're right. There's just such a disjointment that it assumes a lot of the fans and maybe it gives them too much credit. You know, it, it's like the... To, to harken back, it's like you know, watching a McMahon product versus a Crockett product. There was some interchange, but they were never meant to be cohesive universes. Yeah, I feel and like maybe Triple H has the, the coolest e-fed that we've never been able to read because he's booking <laughs> like a bunch of shits happen we haven't seen. I want me, I want in on Triple H's e-fed. I, me and you both, like <laughs> I, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, maybe he's booking better in his head than McMahon has booked in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, could be, but write it down. Christ. Yeah, man. Get, give us the fanfic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to wrap up SmackDown, before we go over to Raw, they did have the Kurt Angle uh, birthday celebration mm-hmm. at the end. Chad Gable, uh, uh, Otis, goofing off in the milk kurt angle clearly having a good time this was a light-hearted means nothing series of segments that was just kind of fun and meant to put a smile on your face i think my big takeaway though 
if I had to talk about anything specifically other than a bunch of people having a good time. Gable Steveson was put into here. They had a backstage segment with him and Braun Strowman where Braun was like happy-go-lucky good guy, which was really weird. Confusing. <laughs> but even more weird, Gable Steveson might have been a robot or a stand-up. He was like so void of any content or emotion or personality, and it's not what I expected of him. Even though we've not seen a lot of him, he really felt like really nervous and did not want to say the wrong thing. So I'll just opt on not saying anything at all. Yeah. I, and I can see that. And there's, from my understanding, there's been a big change. Like they're, they're being given, don't say this, but have some fun with it. Uh, mm. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think what the, the alpha Academy is over. Not okay. not over as in popular, but over as in done. Oh, well, they're, they're losers. They're, yeah, they're it's over with, and you know they could have they kind of cemented that back to me at least. I like think well, I think Triple H again books as though we're all in his head, and I mm -hmm. think that you're going to see Alpha Academy for a while, and they're going to win some and be a big threat when they're in there because they're uh, Olympic wrestlers and then they're going to lose nine in a row to some jokes and they're going to put two people together who've never tagged together to beat the alpha academy and i think they're just going to be that kind of headbanger type uh, they're like the headbangers now you know what i mean yeah and, and that's out, upsetting well, it is <laughs> it is like you know otis for whatever you want to call him or give him a name you know that whole thing with mandy that whole plot was fans were in it to with it. Like everybody wanted to see it. I wanted to see it, you know, because that was that good guy got the hot chick, you know what we, it, it was very meta and we lived through Otis Yeah, uh, and they just shut it down. And I think this is where, you know, Alpha Academy does need to die. They need to treat, Chad Gableson with a lot of respect because the dude is legit. And maybe this is what it takes. Maybe they needed to comedy it so much that the fans are like, why am I watching this? And I could be wrong about that. But I don't know, man. I've never liked the Alpha Academy gimmick at all. I like I've never I liked it until they added back. Otis to it and they did somewhere along the line. Chad and Otis made sense, but everything prior yeah. to that, I wasn't a big fan of. I wasn't a big fan of them in, in NXT. I wasn't a big fan of Chad and, and Jason together. I wasn't adamantly against them as a team. I thought they were fantastic when the bell rang, but I thought everything about why they were together or what got us there never quite connected to me. Um, yeah. And the, I felt like Chad and Otis there. did. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, well, they are a massive threat, but they lose all the time. And I just don't see how that, how that fleshes out. I mean, it's kind well, of like that, damage controls. We get into raw damage control, yeah. a massive threat who never wins. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, they the those matches that are important. Well, the tag championships they can keep. And this is, you know, Oh God, damage control is going to be a whole segment, but, but let's, let's go to raw. Like <laughs> it opens up with Bailey 
Uh, Bailey and Alexa Bliss as the match it opens up, but we have a little bit of a of a Bailey going out there with damage control. Becky jumps damage control, beats the snot out of Dakota and uh, EO, and now mm. uh, Becky is done for the big idiot crossing Bailey like that. What do you think is going to happen? Ding dong, dummy. Uh, uh, I think they're gearing. Uh, the, 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 sorry, I apologize. I think they're gearing. Becky mm-hmm. to be the female Stone Cold Steve Austin riding off the whole thing that iconic picture where she's bleeding from her nose. They've been baited raw sure. and she looks badass. And that's how she became the man. They're pulling back into that gimmick away from the weird Lady Gaga shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're going to see that sort of Stone Cold aspect on the tag team. And now that Alexa has put one over on Bailey, because this has been her general push, we're going to have Bailey trying to fuck over Alexa, which we also have. We'll get to the ending, but how cool is it? Do we have storyline right now in raw that intertwine Bailey, Becky, Alexa, Bianca, Dakota, and EO and Candice LeRae. All of their stories are tied together. I, How cool is that on paper? My my heart beats deeply for this WWE. Like it brings me back to when the F was still in the name. Oh man, like I I love it so much. Yeah, like it's amazing. It respects me as a fan. It respects you as a fan. It gives me a reason to watch not just SmackDown, but I also watch Raw. And now these surprises are happening in NXT, and I get to watch NXT too. And oh man, <laughs> I'm so happy as a fan. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say that some of this isn't without a little bit of disconnect, and we'll talk about that as we get. But uh, just a real yeah. fun, notable thing: uh, Bailey was on Instagram Live today promoting her. Um, uh, her charity thing go to her instagram there's a, a link there where you can uh, donate uh same thing she did last year uh uh she was asked by ooh, what's his name jake johnson i think his name is who plays the mm-hmm. killer on uh on new new girl uh let me see i think it's jake yeah, i think so uh jake johnson yeah he asked her if there was ever or if she can recall a match where uh they got off off track and had to kind of like reevaluate what are they doing or forget where they're going kind of a deal. And she had said that on Monday she had a match. She didn't say against who, but we watched it. So we know it's Alexa bliss. She said they did. There was a kind of a reverse hurricane Rana thing where they both landed on their heads. They both mm-hmm. got up and went for the same move because they both were rattled. Uh, and so they hit their heads again and then they, she said it got a little bit clunky and she basically clotheslined Alexa bliss to just kind of reset the match to be like, all right, let's slow down. Let's figure out where we're at and where we got to go. But that there was a moment of confusion here where it all just got super messy and they had to kind of like reset. Which I thought was yeah. a kind of cool little insight. Makes you want to go back and find that spot, you know, but. Oh, you, you can tell like, and it worked. And that that's a credit to Bailey. Who's the veteran and all that, because she's been wrestling for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and that match since, was beautiful. Ever since Alexa's return uh, 
at stomping ground uh, after the evolution thing. So I want to say 2019. Yes. Uh, they've worked so well together in ring. I would say everything before stomping ground was a mess between the two of them. Stomping ground and on Alexa and Bailey work so great together. And I don't couldn't tell you what that shift is necessarily. Um, but there's an identifiable and shift you can see. To to do the, you know, real life experience versus the ring, I think that Bailey is Alexa has Bull Nakano. Mm-hmm. Like this those two don't need language, they don't need to talk, they can just work a match and no matter how screwed up it gets. They're going to make it look good and everybody's going to be into it. Yep. You know, and that's like the way that went, the match was done clean. You could tell there was back and forth. It didn't look like it was ham fisted. Like they're poetry in motion. That, that's my one, opinion of that match. Uh, during the triple threat last week, as we were watching it, I went, oh, I, it was kind of early on in the match. Too. I went, oh, this is going to Alexa. Yep. And producer ladies like uh uh asked me some sort of question about it. And I was like, they're gonna give this one to Alexa. Alexa's gonna turn heel on Bianca, and we're gonna have the transformation we need, and then that resets Bailey and Becky back on course. Yeah. Uh, Nikki's also a wild card right now, and I guess we see what happens with that. But um I'm really happy with where this is going and what we saw. At the end there, Bianca coming out, uh, the little shutter, the the Sister Abigail tease. I'm Which excited is not the next. first tease. No. It's not the first tease. No, we've been having it, like six weeks of teases. Yeah, well, the Sister Abigail tease happened again, but they didn't catch it on camera because uh, your soft cam was off. And some people got it on cell phone. The match prior on Monday, she teased it again. She did it on Monday. We saw it. Yeah, not this last Monday, but the Monday before. Yeah, the Monday before in the triple threat. She did it as well. Yeah, I because I've looked at the WWE stuff because I always like to see the difference. Maybe. They didn't show it. Yes, they did because uh, I saw it. No, I, I looked. Yeah, I'm not talking about the one she was going to do on Bianca. I'm talking about the match no. before that. For Becky. She put Becky in the Sister Abigail and then snapped yeah. out of it. Yeah, hmm. it's not. It's not on the WWE. It's on the everybody else's footage. It's not on the WWE.com footage. I think it might not be on their YouTube, but it was live on USA because when I watched it on Raw, it was there. I watched it and woke up my producer lady because I was like, yes, get her. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, they've been teasing it for a while. It's going to be good. And then the way they ended that, you know, it was a clean victory for the most part. You knew what was going on. It kind of separated the damage control. And you're right. She's going to have to go after Becky because, you know, she just fucked up her teammates. And she can't keep them if she doesn't do anything to step for them. Mm-hmm. And that that clears the way for a good, clean match. I think Bianca's going to lose her title to Bliss. But it's going to be one of those things where we're going to see the flip. And that's what's going to change. That's where she's going to get the title. Mm, I doubt it. I think Bianca's going to lose the title at Mania. Mm, she might get it back at Mania, but I think she's going to lose it in the intermediary. And then we're going to 
yeah, like it, it's going to be the Royal Rumble sort of thing where she's going to be the EST of NXT. And... My hunch is that as much as I want a one-on-one match, my hunch as of right now is we get triple threat, Bailey, Bianca, uh, Becky. I could see that. I could see that as being a WrestleMania thing too. Just mm-hmm. that's somehow. I, mean, I feel like that's where we're going yeah. is a mania one of that. Like Bliss loses the title. Doesn't matter which one. They're going to have a triple threat. and There you go. Yeah, I could see that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte comes back, wins the Rumble, and uh, faces Ronda again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a feud they need to pull on hard. I would hate all of that, but I hear you. Um, well, <laughs> you know, what? I mean, she has. Yeah. Show, so I don't need to. I trash Charlotte enough. I don't need to. I'll wait till she's back to trash her more effectively. But yeah, uh, daddy issues aside, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't even care about that stuff. It's just so much of her work oh. is whatever. Uh, but so speaking of trash, uh, this Raw, mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. on, like we had this opening match, this opening segment I liked. And then I'll be honest with you, I liked EO and Candice. Solo and Elias was a good match, but kind of I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Like why we, what we're doing with Elias. Yep. But, like, there's this massive chunk here of AJ versus Chad Gable, which you would think would have me just captivated because they're both so good. But I'm so not invested in this. Judgment Day, Street Profits, and Akira Tozawa. I have no idea why this is happening. Yep. Everything with Miz, Dexter, and Johnny, I cannot stand. Like, this yeah. was a really tough one for me to get through for the next, like, hour. I felt like the... The next hour, hour and a half, I was like, couldn't find a reason to turn the volume up. Well, and that's, uh, and I'm going to walk it through, you know, why do we care about Bobby Lashley's getting fired? We, because we know he's not really fired. You know, K-Fabe yeah, Bobby is, and Rollins is a good story. Right. But now, title, which also Theory and Ziggler, like that's, there's a lot there. Theory and Ziggler is a whole nother Dolph Ziggler, hot take, is one of the best workers in the company. Easy, yeah. Yeah, like, there's a reason that dude has kept the job, because win or lose, everybody looks good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Lashley, we know where it's going to go. Lashley's going to come out of the crowd, he's going to buy tickets, they're, they're latching on to old gimmicks because they need to end this. I think we're in that stage where you know, they're pushing to get out the old the old story, the old creative bullshit. And, you know, it's going to creep into newer things. Like, you're right. You know, why do we have the Oscar match? Because we know she's going to turn to Kana. You know, why do we have the Solo match? Because Solo needs to be a badass and needs more time to get exposed to the audience. And Sammy needs to be seen on screen because he's the most over. Right, but you it know. also was a lot of those in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a lot they of times where it's all like, that. why are we doing this? Ah, to get this guy a little bit of this. There was a lot in a row that didn't matter. And it was just to yeah. do a one little thing. So it just felt like a chore at some point where it goes, we're going, we're suffering through this Elias thing because we're trying to solidify Solo as the enforcer. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of Sammy and KO rub on that. This right after, I mean... EO got the win over Candice, which was nice, but also what the fuck is Candice doing with these matches with damage control? 
You know what I mean? They're well, already teasing her with with. They've already got her with Gargano. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot in a row where I didn't I didn't care. Like if I was gonna do the booking of it's just taking same matches, same outcomes, same booking. Okay, I would have put Bobby Lashley as that's a starter match right there. You move, you know, Alexa, Bianca, and all that gimmick. You put that as your second match. That gives you a hook. You know, then you you move into you the Rhea and Oscar can go third or fourth. Depending, well, because the Elias match. So you would put Asuka and Rhea at fourth. So you get that that ebb and flow. Because we love Elias for being the wandering troubadour. We don't mm-hmm. love Elias at this point because he doesn't have Matt Riddle. Yeah. Because Matt Riddle, much like Randy Orton, you know, Orton got back over with the crowd because Matt Riddle did his bro shit. Yeah. Uh. And you're right. A lot of what Raw was doing is crap. I I will disagree with you on the Gargano, Dexter Loomis, Miz thing. And, and I'll go tell ahead. you why. Yeah, go ahead. Because I haven't found a single word that any of them said to be even remotely funny or entertaining. Well, that's because you're looking at words and not the one who's not speaking. That's where I'm at with that. Dexter Loomis as a whole, is the guy that this all relies upon. You know, Johnny Gargano can be Johnny Wrestling and run his fucking mouth all day. Great mic skills, nobody cares. Miz, great mic skills, great talent, nobody cares. Dexter, in terms of the main audience, is something new. The casual fan is an understanding of who Dexter Loomis is. Mm -hmm. Because even in NXT, he was used sporadically uh, as an example during his initial point in feud with uh, the Miz there was a segment where you know Dexter Loomis shows up at NXT and gives uh, what's her name a hug and a kiss because that's like his whole thing the only person yeah. he shows any emotion to gets arrested and hauled out of the performance center Yeah, uh, which is a nice callback it made people pay attention uh, but I think Dexter is the key and we're coming to the end of that, but I think they're going to have a hard time putting Dexter into any place that isn't NXT because his gimmick requires a secondary voice. Yes. Somebody to speak for him. I don't think Johnny Gargano needs to be that guy. No, I think Johnny Gargano's yeah. ruined that guy. Cause I think what's, what was fascinating about okay. Dexter and what made him so interesting in the initial run in NXT was he was mm-hmm. a dark and creepy dude who you couldn't put your finger on. You weren't sure what he was doing here other than competing and being violent. You didn't know what he wanted. And then they decided to give his character depth by adding bad comedy around him. And I don't just mm-hmm. mean like bad jokes. I mean bad delivery, people who don't know what's funny, saying things in a childish manner around a serious guy which makes me know he's a joke and there's no reason to take him serious or be afraid of him he's a joke surrounded by other bad jokes and so i've lost all investment i loved dexter when he first showed up all the way through his uh cameron grimes thing everything from the way on made me realize there's no reason to care about any of these people there was nothing there for me and i'm gonna counter that point um 
do you remember the segment that was done off screen where it was Bailey and Finn Balor and they reenacted the scene from Dirty Dancing? Uh, Dirty Dancing, right? Yeah, it was a mixed tag yep. match on Facebook, which was a comedy show. <laughs> yep. But it's one of those things that comedy or not was a huge deal. You yeah. add in that whole thing where Finn was injured and Bailey came to cheer him up after his promo and mimicked his entrance, which broke him because Finn had no idea it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had the reverse at the same time. They're, they're trying to capture that magic and it's just not going to work because there's not the kind of chemistry. Yes. Because people who are IWC are like, that was an awesome moment. People who have no idea are like, eh, and they they can't put that on the main screen. It's just, you, you can't take that magic and make it something more than it is. Yeah. Uh, and and that's where it is with Johnny Gargano. Dude can talk that mic and finesse it like no problem. This is the wrong plot for him. Uh, it was cool in the beginning, but it became stale because it was too much. It was too much Gargano needed to be more Loomis. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And this, this whole segment felt desperate as hell. How desperate mm-hmm. are you as a character to literally be handing out merch to get cheers. And then you're, the whole story here is that Johnny Gargano's giving away merch and Miz is taking away merch. There's no yep. bigger definition of cheap. That's VFW cheap heat. You know what I mean? Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. this is so desperate to please cheer me. And I think Gargano has been a major disappointment on the main roster. So He's far, not yes. getting the reaction that they are expecting him to get. And Johnny's a massive hole in Triple H's booking of booking as though something already happened. He's assuming Gargano got over. He thinks this is Gargano winning the NXT championship sliding right into here. But there's not. There's a massive disconnect between those two things. Johnny's talking like the crowd's blowing up when he goes out there. They're doing the long crowd shots. They gave him the John Cena camp. Yeah, I thought it was a photograph on one of the entrances. Because no one moved or budged or made a noise. When they changed the music of Johnny, everyone heard Crystal Clear, the brand new singer on that track, because there was no noise to drown it out. He's not getting the reaction they think. And now having him send merch into the audience is begging them to cheer him when he comes out. Please cheer him. We're literally giving away money and T-shirts. And I was like, like... Rebel Heart needed to never change. Like, yeah, that there's no was, reason to change that. Yeah, shooting the merch didn't need to happen. You know, he needed to go out, cut a promo. Look, this is what I've done. This is where I come from. If they can give the same acknowledgement to the OC coming from the Bullet Club, there is no reason they couldn't give him his accolades. You know, and, and Give him a little more props. I've been a champion in every company I've ever been at. I have worked this mic more than most of the talent in the back. You know, he could he could start off heel, go face, piss off the Miz, because who likes the Miz? Talented, but his character's been I'm a dickbag for years. Uh like he could 
you know, they could have done this better, but I think part of that is trying to play off what McMahon had initially set in motion because there was this whole uh, lap overlapping point where, you know, Vince's plans had changed over, and while there was some audibles called, mm-hmm. like, they were still working up that, and then... Paul Levesque had to figure out, okay, how do we take this bullshit he's booked me into a corner with and make it into something different? I think maybe that's, we as fans have too much of an expectation in that respect. Mm. But it it feels to me, yeah. Uh, So ignoring all the other crap, because this was one of the lowest rated Raws in years. uh, Mm. We're at Rhea Ripley and all that? No, 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 no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. Stand by. Yeah, no, more or less. I mean, the EO Candice match was actually pretty solid for the most part. I yeah. don't think that those two work well together. No, not I at think all. They're way too comfortable together because they wrestle like they're playing around and practicing. They don't wrestle like they're competing. They'll literally and- tap someone in. Like uh, I've seen Candice do it to EO, and EO do it to Candice. They tap him on the thigh, just like as a mm-hmm. almost like an Iggy. Just give them a little tap, and then they do the flat bump, bump, like the like they just had their legs sweeped out from underneath them. They're like, no, no, you didn't yeah. actually provide pressure to do that. Like they're, it looks like they're going through the motions, and I, I'm done and, watching them in the ring. I'd rather have Candice move on because they're too comfortable. Keep them apart for a bit. Yeah, they don't have that. Uh, like her match with uh, it was Candice and her. Yeah, like she started in hot. She needed to lose. She's not ready for Bailey. That's a push. Yeah. But then EO's the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's not that individually they're absolutely talented. Yep. But I, I agree with you. There's just no point to allow this to continue. You know, they need to work it more seriously. You know, yeah. Candace is an amazing talent. EO is an amazing talent. Exactly. They're so good that I that that them working poorly together time and time again is doing them both a disservice take keep them apart they're too comfortable together they're not competing together they're playing together and it looks that way and the crowd's dead for it put them in the ring with other women because they are so good they'll get over Mm -hmm. then and you can revisit this down the line when they're a little more yeah when they're you know a little more comfortable with because american wrestling versus the way the rest of the world views it is entirely different yep uh um, for those in the channel that don't know, like it's general European wrestling is less stop and hold. It's more interest in the uh, entrance. When you talk to Japan, there are more spot moves where they have quick points of action, rest hold, quick points of action, rest hold, more what you'd see on an AEW Dynamite. Uh, and, and things like that. It's just different than the way the crowds react. Americans are a little different. We like a little bit of A, B, and C but we won't commit to A, B, or C. Yeah. No, I get you. Uh, Rhea and Asuka, though, I thought this match was dope. Yes. And having Asuka come out without the face paint at all was super notable and subtle at the same time. Maybe it wasn't super subtle, but it felt subtle because it felt like it it took a second. We're looking at her face and going, something's different. Where's where's everything? Because even when she would do minimal paint, it would just be the one line. She had nothing. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was very interesting. And it, it plays to the, and we discussed that a little earlier at the beginning of the show, 
Kana as a character, you know, I, I still say American audiences are going to absolutely love Kana uh, because she's such a contrast. And I, I'm with uh, Marsh mm -hmm. very much so. Uh, and th this was that catch because, you know, Asuka's got a lot of history and we're not even talking wrestling. Some people may not realize that one of Asuka's original jobs prior to wrestling was she worked for Sega on their magazine, believe it or not. That's cool. Uh, yeah, she's a significant gamer. She has a YouTube channel, which a lot of that stuff talks about her, you know, buying things. She's very much a gamer. Uh, so a lot of that she takes into play. And, you know, going into the kind of respect, because she's teased it, but they've obviously not hit the trigger. This is, I think, is going to be the trigger. This is this is going to be Hail Oscar. I think Rhea. They work really well together. This is that that person. And then you've got this outsider that can fuck with the Judgment Day, which is, you know, because they've earned the ire. They deserve somebody as an outside factor, and Kana is pretty much known for that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. I'll fuck with all of you. Yeah, I do like that. With Asuka and uh, Alexa, even Becky, that they're 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 shifting the women's characters away from too much status quo. Now, I mean, yeah. you can make the argument that Becky's just kind of reverting back to what may have been status quo, but I think that the idea of like, hey, we've got a lot of the same women. How do we add women to the story and make the women who have been here the whole time feel new as well? I think that right. This has been cool. Nikki, obviously, that's been big. Big Which fan of Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross is teasing a lot of sanity online. Well, and so part Eric of Young's thing, not on impact. Eric Young's not an impact. No one ever signed Alexander Wolf or Damo. Mm -hmm. But I think it's possible, but I don't think it's an absolute by any means, because I do think that part of what made um Nikki's new look very interesting was that she was talking about embracing everything that in who she was into who she is now because she had the sanity logo on her back, but she still had the Nikki ASH uh, on the chest, you know? Well, and that's great because Nikki, you know, is an amazing talent. Uh, I mean, look at her. She went from crazy psycho to I'm a superhero in a matter of six months. You know, that's yeah. amazing. That <laughs> hat's off to her. And she's a history major, believe it or not. That's dope. She's going for her master's. Like, she's yeah. super smart, super talented. Uh, if they brought back Sanity, I think Sanity would be a better fit for Judgment Day feud rather than the OC. I think the OC needs to go... Uh, more after the bloodline, I think that would make more sense to me. Yeah, that was a hot take, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think, well, I mean, it'd be cool, but I almost feel like you'd want to build up to that. But at the same time, maybe you don't because you let everything else simmer. So, well, that, um, that's one of those things where you can have the bloodline do their own thing. You know, Gallows and Anderson can do because they were, they should have been booked better. They started out booked really strong. Yeah, and then they just kind of shit on them, you know. AJ Styles was champion outside of six months, and then they just kind of shit on him. 
Um, and I do like the addition of Mia Yim into the club. I think that it, what would be cool about Sanity too yeah. is that you're now having a ton of groups have a woman with men. Sanity being what it was originally could be really cool yep. too because it's another one of those groups, which makes them all that more compelling to me. Yeah, the Twisted Sister of NXT. Yep. That yeah. And that was why they put her in a program with Alexa. We, we know that was because of her finisher. Yeah. Like, because that's a very Vince McMahon thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I don't, here, go ahead. I, I do not personally care about Street Profits. And Me neither. Like, they, it's not that they're not good. It's not that their promos are not great, but I feel like they're a retired gimmick of the same shit that we've seen over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, I they, find they them can be, to be just super annoying. Yeah. They feel like uh, kids shit. yelling and jumping up and down. Look at me, look at me, look at me, but they're not providing anything. Look what I can do, but they're just like jumping up and kicking the air. Like, it, yeah, I look at my red cups. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're just hyper obnoxious, loud for no reason. And yeah, uh, whatever. Unnecessary. Like, yeah. They could be so much more if they just stop putting that we want the smoke bullshit because the average viewer does not give a shit. I also don't mind the catchphrase and the way that they end their promos with we want the smoke. It's just their unnecessary loudness and they come off super phony in so many ways. Yeah. Like I just don't think I would get along with them in in general. Like I think there'd be a personality clash. Like they they're probably very I, nice. They're probably, I mean, I've met them. They've been very nice to me, but yeah, they're also not yelling in my face when I've met them in person versus the way they yell at the camera so much that I'm all like, what are we doing? I feel like something they could have pulled the gun on is that, you know, Bianca gets in a position. She's got a couple of dudes that are going to beat her ass. And then the street profits show up. I mean, they, they did it once and it was one of the best matches all three of them have ever had. Hmm. And they never touched it again. Mm. Like, shit or get off the pot. Like, everybody mm. knows who she's married to. Everybody knows what's going on, and that's fine. But make mm. it matter. Yeah. You know, if you're you're going to break tape, babe, make it matter. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The, the end of the show, though, Rollins and Bobby Lashley, I thought was dope. I do really like the we are going this route where Bobby Lashley's like a little unhinged. He attacked a ref again. Adam Pierce says, you've left this out of my hand. You're fired. Fires Bobby Lashley. Obviously, like you said, I don't think any of us believe that Bobby Lashley is fired, but it does make it interesting in how they're going to bring him back. I've seen people discuss it and I don't, I don't know, but I could see it. Do you think that they're building towards him and MVP back together? MVP getting his job back. No, I I think this is going to be as similar to Brock Lesnar because going to take you back in the time warp. Brock Lesnar did the same thing. And it was one of those ways they tried to legitimize him as a badass where Lesnar would show up, kick everybody's ass, and he would get chased off by like security and whatnot. I think we're going to see more of that, mm-hmm. which is fine because Lashley is a legitimate badass. Yep. But I think there are several other ways that they could do it without it being repetitive. Mm. And 
I know there's a booking corner where, you know, you have two different bookers. You're still trying to, un like, one's trying to undo the other. And that's a thing. But at that same juncture, you know, you don't have to do that at the risk of the talent. Yeah. Uh, there, there really isn't. Like, I, NXT, you know, the one thing that's nice about that is that you've had two different bookers. You've had Triple H. You have Shawn Michaels. And they might not have necessarily agreed in the way that things should have been pushed, but at least there was some cohesion that made sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas Triple H stepped into 1980 style booking to bring it up to 2020 standards. And that caused its own issues. Like there's just a complete disconnect. Yeah. Man. You know, I, I, I like this version of Bobby and I do think he's yeah. better on the mic than he's ever been. And so, mm -hmm. I he don't was think he's the mouthpiece. Hmm? Yeah, he was always that good. They just needed to let him go. I've seen his other work. Yeah, he was a badass you believed in, and he could have done it anywhere. But they held him back in his initial run. Yeah, why? Well, his initial two runs. You know, when he came back in that whole program with Sammy was a massive disconnect too. But. Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, he's a legitimate badass, and now we're seeing it in a way that's really cool. I'm excited to see where this one goes. I think that yeah, his story is very interesting. I think the LA Knight Bray White's uh, really interesting because I don't think you can totally call it. like You got an idea of where we're going, but it's hard to pinpoint how we're getting there. Uh, makes and it exciting to see those things. What What's part of nice about that is the, one of the guys who's behind the scenes is uh, one of their internet production people. And they've turned the Bray Wyatt plot into an ARG, which is an altered, alternate reality sort of thing where, you know, fans are now taking pictures coming off of videos and going to websites and trying to unlock clues and the white rabbit. And it adds another layer that has never really been in professional wrestling. Yeah. You know, much in the same way of Bray Wyatt cutting promos on himself. Like, how often do you see that? And this is the, the madness that is genius. Yeah. You know, and surprisingly, his dad's the IRS. Like, what the fuck happened there? Uh, yeah. I think we're going to see, because we've already got the Wyatt 6 gimmick. I There's some tie-ins to, you know, one of his really good friends. And, um... Shit, I'm sorry. Uh, there, there's a lot of tie-ins to the OG Wyatt family and everything else there. And, like, in terms of WWE, I think things that surrounding Bray Wyatt right now are where the most viewership comes from. And they're going to lean into that hard. And we're just, at that point, who are fans, like, there are still podcasts based purely around his existence. Yeah, yeah. You know? Much in the same way as where they did the same shit with CM Punk. You know, oh, yeah. and that guy's in a whole shitload of what the hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's been calls of AJ Lee and, and tell me if you remember this. Maybe, you know, we're not looking at my false memory here. AJ Lee once cut a promo on the Bellas saying that talent was not sexually transmitted. Mm-hmm. Because AJ Lee was one of the best talkers in the women's division, bar none, period. 
like, you know, Bliss can act, but AJ Lee had those mic skills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, these are a lot of the things that we, I think we need as fans. We need a reason to give a name. Yeah. Uh, and having somebody who's just taking what's so modern and taking what's so old school and putting them together in a package is kind of what we need. Like, you know, Lashley turning into this vigilante badass, like a Batman style character, you know, that can go from picking his opponents to keeping his job to fighting Adam Pierce, who Adam Pierce, great competitor. Uh, isn't it Very crazy talented. we have Bobby Lashley at 46 years old finally getting booked like 2002 Brock Lesnar? Like yeah. a 21-year-old Brock? And, and, it, and when you look at him and you think, yeah, he could have just as long as a career. Like we think we have like another 20-plus years with Bobby. It, what bothers me about Bobby is we have this Saturday, which I'm going to put a bug in here about that. Uh, we have the tribute to the troops. Mm-hmm. You know, Bobby is a legitimate United States military veteran. Mm-hmm. Why do you fire him the show before? Because he better have some sort of appearance. Because that's the kind of thing you want to press upon. Like Lacey Evans, and I am loving the promo packages for Lacey. Yeah. You you know, she's one of the few women, and, and I can tell you, you know, being Department of the Navy, for those who may not know, the Marines are part of that same department. Uh, I can tell you what she did is bar none very impressive as an individual. Uh, the sassy Southern Bell stuff I felt was a counter, but if they go into this right, they need to turn her into this this generation's Alundra Blaze. She needs to be patriotic. She needs to be a badass. She needs to lean into that veteran status. Mm-hmm. And Bobby needs to do the same. And if they do the mixed tag stuff on Facebook like they did the last few years, You've got a team right there of two veterans. You've got this Saturday with tribute to the troops. You should have, you know, that going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to lean into it. You, you can't just ignore it because Lashley's been around for a long time. Yeah. You know, he's, he's been in three major televised companies. The dude is a beast. Like... Mm-hmm. He's I did think it was funny a... during the Lacey promo. It was producer lady's first chance to see it. And she's been um, very critical of Lacey as a female vet herself. Um, mm. It was funny because she saw the new promo package and she goes, okay. She goes, okay, we can see where this goes. She's like, she wouldn't have her hair in a ponytail, but okay. <laughs> she's like, where's she's that not military wrong. bun? <laughs> she, she's not wrong. Why, why don't you have your hair up? Why, no. You're not even in full uniform. The fuck is wrong with you? Yep. <laughs> I I needed to buy your uh, your producer lady uh, all the alcohol she's ever on the East Coast. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, um, I do think with that we'll go ahead and do last call and wrap this one up. I got to get to a few okay. things here, and I think we did cover uh, Raw and SmackDown and a little bit of the news. Hell, we uh, covered NXT a little bit too. Yeah, we talked a good time about NXT, but uh, if you want to hear a little more in-depth NXT and AEW, that's going to be tomorrow night. Amanda Jane is back to the dive bar when we break down AEW and NXT uh, right here in the dive bar of the IWC. Digi, you want to tell people where they can find you or anything? Uh, I mean, you can find me in a lot of Twitch chats of female professional wrestlers because women's wrestling matters. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it doesn't matter what brand. Uh, Digi Damon, as you can see, no dash. Uh, I am SUI Silverman on Twitch. You can also reach me at Mad Mod Squad because I am a moderator for Medusa, the Hall of Famer, badass lady. Um, but beyond that, I mean, you can find me anywhere. Just look for the name. <laughs> Sounds good. And you can find us right here in the die bar of the IWC. Guys, until tomorrow, that's the last call. And thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, producer lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I in subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rock.